0: so I'm um I'm looking at this year of opportunity that God is showing and you know a couple of weeks ago I talked about you know we're always asking God to add and that he's been revealing to me like he says I will multiply your seed so and we need to start learning how to pray and multiplication um the 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 concern I guess in the balance of that is you don't want to sound greedy or you know i don't want to you know come off asking for this and that and the other well if that's the first place your head goes then yeah you you have some things to work out because when you start seeking god for multiplication the first thing that comes to your mind should not be things it should not be money or 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 opportunity shouldn't always mean to you earthly increase that should be Lord, how should I say this? It should be as I find you, those things are automatic, so I don't have to focus on those things. Your word promises, you know, before I call before I call you answer, but it also says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't take thought for these things. Don't worry about the evil of tomorrow. Sufficient is the evil of today. And the reality for my heart is we all know that scripture we know it we'll say it but then what i'm learning in this season and what i want to touch on today is let's start living out the things we know um i'm gonna preface this by saying this i was talking to Nellie. And I used the word, and I asked her, did she know what it means? And she said, yeah, uh, ironic, something being ironic. Do you know what it is? And she said, yeah, know like when it's, yeah, like when it's irony. And I was like, okay, but that's not explaining the word. That's using the word in the sentence and knowing how to use the word in the sentence. But do you know what it actually means? Right. And it's you know, there's a lot of times we know things by association, but we don't really explore or know the definition or the meaning of it. And so we've heard it used in that sentence. So we know that it makes sense to use it there. So when I asked her to explain ironic, she didn't understand that ironic was the expectation of something being one way but it was the other way and it's supposed to have like a form of a a humor to it or kind of a humorous kind of twist to it and even even if it's not positive still it's kind of like isn't that funny that it you know it was here but it became this and and so I begin you know and I always do that in my own self like I ask questions to myself like okay yeah but do you know what that means do you really know what that means? Do you know, do you really know that you're using it right? Do you understand the context of it? And another thing I'm big on, listen to me close, is the origin of sayings. I know I get on people's nerves, but they'll say things like that. Six and one, half dozen in the other. Okay, yeah, but who who decided to say that? Like, what what was going on? Uh, where did that, you know, come from, um, you know, from the, fi- from the frying pan into the fire. Like, who, who what, like, I know what it means, but wh- what made somebody decide to make that, use that as a saying? And why am I saying all this? Because when it comes to the word, we know the scriptures, we know the phrases. I can start many of them and you can finish them. But in real practical application, in the reality of what God is saying to us, how many of us really know and are living out of the truth that that word speaks? So when we talk about, he says, you sow your seed and he'll multiply your seed. sown. and the reality hits me. Wait a minute. I don't pray multiplication. I pray add. Well, he says he's going to multiply my seed. So, so this is this is the case that there is. He is talking money. He's talking finance. He's talking about, you know, needs, provision. And he's talking about multiplication in that area. Well, but then there's a a conflicting belief that for you to believe that you're worthy of anything is prideful. So we we tiptoe around it. And then if we're not tiptoeing, this is what I'm about to say real close, we start to help God out because we don't think he's going to really give it to us anyway. So we start finding a way to take the shortcuts. We start finding a way to, to to get you know through the to these doors, you know, and God, hopefully you'll bless my intention to help you here. I know it's just not a like jump around dance part of the message, but the foundation needs to be laid in order for 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 us to bring this home. So I began to say, Well, God, I know. In this season of my life in this season time you know i'm paying god help me say this right because i know what i want to say but i don't want it to come off negative or wrong just turned 65 a couple of days ago i am not focused or you know tripping on it or getting deep about it but I am really aware of my mortality right now. I'm realizing that I am at an age that a lot of people don't reach. And if they do reach it, they don't reach it whole and healthy. I realize how many of my friends, even um, the people I was talking to recently, in their late 40s, 50s, had had this surgery, this knee replaced, this back rod in here, the this dent in the heart, the you know, you know, it's it's serious. Like, oh no, I can't, I can't eat that because it'll affect the this thing. I hell oh yeah, I got to go get my chest opened up again because the battery has to be replaced. And ah, uh, uh, right. And so you become aware of your mortality, but you become. I'm also aware of, wow, God. I'm in probably one of the best shapes of my life. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I don't have any surgeries or operations or this or that or the others. And I'm grateful. So I'm not sitting here thinking about dying, but I am, if you want to be honest, I am closer to the afterlife than I am to new life. You understand what I'm saying? How I, I stepped over into that side of it. What, 15, 20 more years, you know, is, is kind of, Hey, now when you start to see that, you start to kind of think about what's more important in life. And I'm starting to realize that a lot of these things that I kick and scream and whine about really doesn't have, eternal value as you start to feel yourself getting closer to eternity i hope this isn't coming off negative because i'm not <laughs> i'm not trying to you know tell you i'm going to die and he, that's not what i'm trying to do but i'm trying to hopefully pass this side of the mountains information back over to your side so that you do something with your side that i didn't do how's that is that helpful if that if that blesses you, give me a give me a little something. Let me know you. You know, I, I want us to understand that the enemy and the world has taught us to focus on so much that has no eternal value, none. And as you start to get older, you start to realize there's things I need to do. At least I do that I didn't do that I must do. I don't want to leave here not accomplishing what I was put here to accomplish. So there's a there's a sense of not desperation, but definitely, as Nelly said earlier, focus and drive on me that's different than it's ever been in my life. I'm hoping that in this message I could pass some of that on to you, that there is a world out there, and most of us haven't copy, you know, having encompassed our neighborhood. You know, we don't even know all the things that's available to us in the borough that we live in. But there's a whole world out there, countries and nations and things that all we know is what we see on the news. Um, God, what are we called to? Why are we here? To get one more degree, to get one more raise, to get one more promotion. Like, is that what I'm really here for? To, you know stop one more business and get successful and have another bank account and set up a trust fund and you know all these kind of wonderful things but why am i here and i begin to seek god from the perspective of and i am seeking god from the perspective of wisdom insight understanding knowledge of god I've been teaching that for years now But from the perspective of if today is my last day, did I get it done? If you guys were told you got a month left, what would you do different? And if you would do something drastically different, how many of you would say if you knew you had a month left, not sick laying in a hospital bed, but God just said, checking out in a month, how many of you agree you would do something drastically different than what you're doing right now? So then why not do it? And that's the challenge for me. So then why not do it? Why am I not living with God like anything that you call me to do? <clears throat> I should be able to do it and I should pursue it as if it's my last days on earth mm. So As I was kind of seeking and getting my scripture And what am I going to preach today God just began to say to me No, I want you to talk some more about this gratitude You know, I want you to talk about being grateful For the life that you have I want you to talk talk about being grateful for the things That you didn't look at as important But they're, they're important Um, As we were walking to Angie's house last night, I had to keep stopping and slowing down so Nelly could keep up with me. And that makes me feel really, very good. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm out here and I'm moving. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do in him. I have a sense of urgency in this time. And it's not about getting more customers. It's not about getting more deals or um clothes and more of this and doing more of that but it's the sense of give me a sense god give us a sense can i say that give us a sense of real value that's what i'm praying for in this season for us all give us a sense of real value father give us a sense i'm gonna say it three or four more times if i need to until i feel like it's clicked for every one of us god give us a sense of real value give us a sense of real value. What is our real value? Not what they say, not what our degrees on the wall says, not what the title on my business card says, not what my bank account says. Give me a sense of real value. I I see these stories on the news and certain people and these these scandals and stuff is coming down on them and they sitting at the top of the pile and all of a sudden, look like the card gets pulled out under the bottom and what happens? You come trembling right down to the first floor. So what's my real value? It can't be in a Rolex. It can't be in in my cars. It can't be in my homes. It can't be in my jet. It can't be in all that stupidity. It needs to be in... There's something that you put in me, God. There's something you put in each and every one of us. And that thing you put in us is, listen close to what I'm about to say, from everlasting to everlasting. Before you were in your mother's womb and to this day, that thing God put in you is bigger and more powerful. It has more light. It has enough energy to light up a whole city. And that thing is being snuffed out by us seeking after the mediocre or average thing talking to myself. So if you don't want to receive it, you don't have to. This is where I am right now. And since you're logged in to hear me talk, you'll get to hear me talk about what I'm dealing with, whether you like it or not. This is how it goes. So what is my real purpose? Why am I here? Why did you give me this light? I start to think about all these little things, that song, these little kids used to sing, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I didn't even know what that meant as a kid. I thought there was some out of flashlight or I didn't know what the heck they was talking about. <laughs> and up until my adulthood, I didn't even know what this little light of mine was. you know. And now that I'm getting old, I'm realizing the light is your life. And when you gone, that light goes out. It's gone on this earth. So the light that I have is the illumination of what comes out of my spirit to other people. I hope you heard what I just said. And that illumination affects people. So when people are reaching out to me and saying, you, know, you changed my life, you know, what you taught me back then made a difference. I'm here today because of what you did and what you said. And, and I'm going, that's my light. It is not a little light. It's a big light. It's a radiant light. It's a light that can one suggestion from you could change somebody's life. I, do you understand the power? Angie's a school teacher. How many lights has she ignited with her personality and, and who she is for some little kid that she may have thought she's just teaching them? you know the basics i'm just telling you the basic stuff of life but these kids go on and become something great and they can say it's because that one thing you said to me is that one line i am sitting there with, with with my i call my little brother and he just bought a seven million dollar house and he's saying if it wasn't for you when i was a teenager Saying this is where money is. This is what business is about. It's not about this, that, and the other. It's about and teaching them structure of business as a teenager that he's now made this kind of deal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm about to flip it on you. So God said, now your turn. What are you going to do with what you have, what you received, and what you teach from your angle? And people look at me and they say, I'm successful. And I look at me and I say, no, I have a level of success, but success to me is achieving everything I know God put me on this earth to achieve. I know I got the scripture in my hand ready to go, but I just, if you don't mind, I just want to talk a little bit, if that's okay. We are, you've heard this saying before. This is one of those sayings I was saying, hmm, where, where did that saying come from? You are greater than the sum of your parts. Who's ever heard that and never heard that saying? You're greater than the sum of your parts. The things you are in the world, the things you have accomplished, you are greater than the sum of the this that you did and the little of that you did here and the, the accomplishment you made here and the, the degrees you got there. You, you are greater than your accomplishments. Your accomplishments are only available to you because of who you are. If you don't believe me, look around you and see all the people you know that have never accomplished what you've accomplished. And, and let me say this. I don't like saying that because that's a bad barometer. I don't think you should ever look at people who have less than you to feel better about your life. That I think that's a horrible way to judge your status because that doesn't last. I want to judge my status based on what I know God has called me to do and be. And that to me is the barometer. What I have and what I've achieved in him, not based on somebody else not doing it, but just based on the fact that you have done it. Was that clear? Did you get that? Did I need to re-explain that? You got that, right? What you have accomplished is the important thing, not what you did not or what you could have. But based on what you have accomplished, that should give you the courage to know that you can. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He thought about the things and the times and the things he's accomplished in God up to this point. And he used that energy. He used that excitement. He used that revelation to say, if he did this, he could do that. How many of us here right now and are in a place that once upon a time we probably thought we would never be? You accomplished things that you looked at at one point in your life and it looked like it's a thousand miles away. And now here you are, just floating through it. Well, what would make you think or imagine that the thing he's called you to is gonna be any tougher? It's a, it's a destination. And if you choose to arrive, you will. I wanna say it one more time. It's a destination. And if you choose to arrive, you will. It's the destination. And if you choose to arrive, you will. This is where I want us today. I want to go us to go to James chapter one. Um, I'm gonna get. I want to get. I want to get a verse at least in here. In this season. I want us to be like animals about the opportunity that's in front of us, destination. And starting at verse five, James, one starting at verse five says, if any of you lack wisdom, to guide you through a decision or circumstance. I'm reading out the Amplified. He is to ask our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Now, I just want to make sure you understand why I picked the Amplified for the scripture. Because if any man, you know, should ask in faith, nothing wavering. I I wanted to, to pull out the point that it says the God who gives generously generously and upbraid of not in the King James but the way he breaks it down here he says if you lack wisdom to guide you through a decision or a circumstance how many can say amen I, yeah I could use some of that right now wisdom to guide me to a situation or a circumstance I could I'll take some of that he said if you do you should ask our benevolent God now, this is one of those words that people say, yeah, I know how to use that in a sentence, but do you know what a benevolence, do you know what benevolence is? How many, honestly, um, I'm sure Dr. Brown, may, she's a teacher, but how many of you have really looked at and contemplated or know the real definition of the word benevolent? You know somebody good, right? the word the 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 prefix bene is in there Beni, i is it bene i or benny it's pronounced doctor i'm asking you, is it, i know it's i know it's that's a latin prefix um is benny is good so you see bene ben, benevolent or beneficial or anything with benny in front of it that that prefix means good so you right away know now i learned prefix um, latin in, in in um greek prefixes and suffixes when i was in my 20s i just really got into those and so i'm usually able to figure out words because i can break down those those initial words will tell you what a word means it doesn't mean how many of you know what i'm talking about you, are, you know this for a fact as teaching right so if you see um like, benevolent, the word mal. Mal is bad. Benai is good. Mal is bad. Those are prefixes. So when you say malicious, right, malpractice, all of those kind of things, negative. Whenever you heard anything with beni in front or mal, you know it's good, it's bad. So he's saying God is benevolent. So bene is in the front of that. Um, That means a good provider or a a good heart a good i would say caretaker of things he takes care of things well okay so i want to make sure you understand this that he's telling you you should ask a god who is benevolent right this is important this is important talking about multiplication this is important children why should you ask a benevolent god if you ha- if you lack wisdom to make a decisions or to get you through a circumstance you should ask this benevolent god why is that important why is that emphasis on god's benevolence why is that a point Anybody want to even try to jump in and try to, you know, I know we haven't done that in a while, but anybody want to jump in and try to throw your two cents in on that one? Okay, well, I guess not. So I'm going to do it for you. Are oh, Nelly? Would you give me a jump in? You like you reaching your hand forward. Come on, do, show me a hand if you going, if you want to add, because I don't want to sit here waiting. No? Okay, go ahead. Thank you, Edwich. My God, somebody help. Maybe we could clip out the part where it took this long for somebody to respond. (laughs) When I (laughs) when I hear benevolent God, like you said, a good God, a good natured person, um, someone who's looking out for my good um, and only can give me good. Now, don't go away yet. So why are you asking a benevolent God? I know it sounds like a trick question, but it's powerful. Mm -mm. No. Why am I asking a good God? Um. Well, um, I see that um, Celine has a hand up, so let's get Celine in there. Go ahead, Celine. Because of the expectations, knowing that God is good and wants to give us already what we're asking for, we already know we have it. See, Right there, what she just said. It depends on what God you're asking. Well, no, we're praying to the same God. Yeah, no, right? Because God is multifaceted. And if you picked on the just enough God, and that's your image, according to your faith, be it unto you. Don't look at me funny. If you... I can ask the same God, the same question you ask, but the God you asking is the God that just gives you barely enough to get by. You could be asking the God that lets you go through hell and suffering to teach you a lesson. You can be asking the God who he may not be there when you want, but he's right on time. You can be asking that God. All right, I'm asking a benevolent God, and I have to focus myself that when I go to my father, that I'm addressing him. Do you think that what I'm saying is crazy? Why do you think he has Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Salem and Jehovah Sitkanu? These are different attributes of God. Who are you coming to? The God that's just enough or the God that's more than enough? That's on your faith and according to your faith be it unto you. So when you asking God for help, I started preaching. You asking God for help. Are you asking the benevolent God or are you asking the God that might want to take a moment out of his busy day to help you out? This is the difference in our prayers. When I start saying we don't ask for multiplication, we ask for addition. It's because we don't serve a benevolent God a lot of the times in our spirit and our heart. We serve a God who he'll, you know he'll be he may not be there when you want to. Well, then you're going to have a God that ain't there when you want to, but he's right on time. I don't want a Superman God where I'm hanging off the roof about the 450 flights. And as I'm falling, he sweeps in and catches me. I want the God that gets in there and takes care of the people before they even get me off the edge of the roof. You follow what I'm saying? This is the difference. And it does make a difference according to your faith. Your faith has made you whole. So I had to come to the realization that I really have not believed in a benevolent God. I didn't realize, wow, you, you really are like benevolent all the time in all of my situations. You care about me. My expectation of you is small. It's Even though I think it's big, it's small. It's wrong. It, it it's not where it could be. It worked for where it was. See, it, all, it did, all it did for me was to take me to walk around my, my, my mentee's $7 million house and realize, wow, he don't even serve God or believe in God like that. You know, the church way, if you understand what I mean. I'm not saying he don't believe in God, but he don't go to church and tithe and do none of that stuff. But he believes in God in a way that I don't because he believes in a benevolent God. And I need you to understand this as we talk this conversation. And I hope you don't mind me telling this business and say his name. But he had this big, beautiful house. Kwame went with me there. We helped him move some stuff in. And Kwame walked around the house and, all oh, like, whoa, it's a black brother. Got something like this. This is, why well, I ain't never seen a brother have something like this. And about a year and a half into the, having the house, some wires caught on fire and the house burned to the ground. Everything that they had and owned, gone. And I remember when I found out and I got in touch with him, I said, you okay? Is there anything I could do to help you? He said, nah, brother D, I appreciate it. are nah, we're, we're really good. What do you mean? Well, you know, there's a person I'm selling a house for. They had a big house. in like mine, was a nice big house. And he just told us, look, just take it off the market and just live with it and live in it until you get something. You know, just pay the bills and don't worry about it. So we're good. We lost everything. He said, I'm just glad my family's good. You know, we'll rise from the ashes, man. It's going to be okay. And I was like, wow. You just lost stuff you can't even get back. And that's your response. Wow. So when I walk through this $7 million masterpiece on 50 acres of land, I'm like, yeah, but I understand. You expect a benevolent God to come through for you. We get excited when we get uh, uh go from a one-bedroom to a two-, three-bedroom apartment. And he was going from his house he just completed to having to start all over again. And his expectation was God's benevolent. He'll work it out. He gonna make it, he's gonna make a way, but you know, you know, if you want to do anything for me, man, just keep us in prayer that we're all right. I was like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. You, you, <laughs> you understand God's goodness in the way that we have a tendency not to. So I stayed on that long, but I didn't want to move on until I made that point. Do you pray to a God who multiplies? Do you pray to a benevolent God? Or do you pray to a, please help me out, God, I'm in trouble. Whatever you can do, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, we're supposed to appreciate everything God does. Yeah, but what God do you pray to, though? it's good to be grateful for whatever he does you should be but what can your god really do is he benevolent he's a good god well, what does that even mean as i say that's one of them church saying that people say god's a good god what does that even mean hmm i didn't mean to stay on that that long but I'm just, but God did, so we're here. So let me try to get the rest of this verse in. If anyone lacks wisdom to guide them through a decision or circumstance, they are to ask our benevolent God, here it goes to breakdown. who gives to everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him but he must ask in faith. I don't even want to go to the. But he must ask in faith yet, because here's what he says: If you ask, if you lack wisdom, or for your circumstances, or or a decision you have to make, here's what he's saying: You should ask this benevolent God, who gives to you generously, without rebuke or blame. I'm going to wrap this message up on that one point, and we'll pick it up next week. I guarantee you, in the core of your hearts, you don't pray to that God, because we've been trained, unless you've been really steeped in some JCMI stuff, it still lingers, because it's been sown into us for so long, that when you ask this God for direction and guidance, even if you screwed it up, even if you messed it up, even if you did everything wrong, watch this, He answers you without rebuke. Let's stop right there because we don't think God answers without rebuke. Now, tell me I'm wrong. No, he had to make you go through it. You got to feel the pain of what you did, you know, because he had to let you understand. We don't believe that if I come to you, God, and say, God... I was wrong here and I need some direction or I'm confused here that God don't say, see, see, but see what I tried to tell you, but you ain't not listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's what your problem is. We'll do that, but God does not. And I'm learning that if I start to really understand that that's how my daddy act, I could be more like that. I want to be more like that. He won't rebuke you, even if you deserve rebuking if you ask for direction, that's something you should jump up and like ran across the room and flipped around the house a couple of times and put the organ on or whatever, because that right there is a game changer. I'm praying to the benevolent God. I'm crying out right now in this season of my life to the benevolent God. I'm reaching out to the God that heals me and helps me without shooing me out first. He don't find fault. He don't rebuke me first. He said, let me get you straight first. You already know what you did, and word That's why you're here. So let me just help you get it right. I ain't got time to sit around and go over with you. See, now number one, you shouldn't have done that. And number two, you shouldn't have done that. And number three, you shouldn't have done that. He said, I'm not going to rebuke you. I'm not going to find fault with you. If you come to me with a real hot tool, watch this, watch this. The benevolent God... My response to you is going to be not to judge you or rebuke you. But, you know, I feel rebuked and I feel judged. I know, me too, because you don't go to the benevolent God. You picked one of the other Jehovah names, but it wasn't that one. Who bears witness to what I'm talking about here today? I'm not saying you got to admit that that's you. You don't have to own it. You don't have to own it to me. It don't matter to me. But at least least let me know you understand what I'm talking about. He's a benevolent God. And because he's a benevolent God, he's looking for the opportunity to do you good. If you want to take another better word, he's looking to benefit you. That's what the benevolent God does. This is where we are today. This is where I am. today. Oh, I, I feel like I just want to shout a little bit. This, this is where I am today. I know that I need to go and meet the benevolent God. I've heard about him in conversation. I've seen him passing by, you know, a couple of times, you know, going up and down the block. I've seen him, but I never stopped him. said, let me get to meet Mr. Benevolent. I want to know the God that just wants to do good by me, that he just wants to take care of me and make sure I'm all right, that he means good, that he means well, that he wants well for me. I don't want to cuss you out. I don't want to rebuke you. I don't want to spank you. I don't want to judge you. I just want you to be right, and then I want to make it right with you. I just want to get you back in the good place. How's that? I just want to do good by you. I just, just I'm a good God, I got I come with benefits. Bless the Lord, all oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all oh, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I want to know the benevolent God. I want to get to know the God that is truly not just my friend, but my benefactor. See, you these are the things when you start to learn these words, baby, that you understand. This, this, you're my provider. You're my benefactor. I got a business I need to start You got me I I got a house I need to want to buy You got me I want to get some stuff right in my personal and emotional life You're going to benefit me You're going to take care of me This is the benign God The good God Huh. I can go on and on Bless the Lord on my soul This God is the benefactor. This is the benevolent God. This is the good God that wants to do good by me and by you. And I want to meet that God. I want to meet and get to know that God. I want to allow him to avail that part of his personality to me that I have not allowed him to because I've locked him into this box and image that I understood so far. But what I'm challenging you to do today, which is where I started this message, is that you're greater than the sum of your parts. And God is the benefactor, the the benevolent, the benign, the good God. He's there for my benefit. He's there for me to do good in all. Let's give praise and thanks to the benevolent God. Let's take time and get to meet and get to know and fellowship with the the benevolent God who answers me without judgment, criticism, rebuke, or fault-finding when I need him. In Jesus' name, amen.